Hey, faithful listener, welcome to season six of the Bible Explained podcast, the podcast where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and enjoy today's discussion from the book of Joshua. Welcome, everybody. You have tuned in to the Bible Explained podcast. And hi, my name is Jen. I'm the host here. I am so excited that you grabbed your cup of coffee to join me this morning because we're going to be discussing Joshua chapter 12 and the list of the defeated kings. And you guys, before we begin, you might be like, man, this seems very boring. I don't know why we're talking about this. Why is this even in scripture? However, it is important. It's in scripture for a reason. We're going to talk about all of that. But before we begin, but before we do that, we're going to read it. So let's go ahead and read all of Joshua chapter 12, verses 1 through 24. And as usual, I'll be reading out of the W.E.B., but feel free to grab the version of the Bible you prefer. Now these are the kings of the land, whom the children of Israel struck, and possessed their land beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise, from the valley of the Arnon to Mount Hermon, and all the Arabah eastward. Sihon, king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon and ruled from Aror, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon, and the middle of the valley, and half of Gilead, even to the river Jabbok, the border of the children of Ammon, and the Arabah to the Sea of the Chinneroth, eastward, and to the Sea of the Arabah, even the Salt Sea, eastward, to Beth Jeshemoth, and on the south, under the slopes of Pisgah, and the border of Og, king of Bashan, on the remnant of the Rephium, who lived at Ashtaroth and at Edrei, and ruled in Mount Hermon, and in Selica, and in all Bashan, to the border of the Geshurites and the Machathites, and half of Gilead, the border of Sihon, the king of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of Yahweh, and the children of Israel struck them. Moses, the servant of Yahweh, gave it for a possession to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. These are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the children of Israel struck beyond the Jordan westward from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, even to Mount Halak that goes up to Seir. Joshua gave it to the tribes of Israel for a possession, according to their divisions, in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Arabah and in the slopes and in the wilderness and in the south, the Hittite, the Amorite and the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Gezer, one. I'm going to stop saying one, you guys. And I'm just going to go with the kings. The king of Gezer, the king of Debir, the king of Gader, the king of Hormah, the king of Arad, the king of Libna, the king of Adullam, the king of Makeda, the king of Bethel, the king of Tapua, the king of Hefer, the king of Aphak, the king of Lesharon, the king of Madon, the king of Hazer, the king of Shimron, Maron, the king of Akshaph, the king of Tanakh, the king of Megiddo, the king of Kadesh, the king of Jachnium in Carmel, the king of Dor in the height of Dor, the king of Goim in Gilgal, and the king of Terza. All the kings were 31. I wonder if you guys can tell that I struggled through all of that. <laughs> I struggled reading every single one of those names pretty much besides Bashan. I can say that word, but some of these these words are just very interesting, like uh, Lesharon and also Shimron, Marin, and Akshaf. Akshaf. 
man, those kings were hard to say. Some of them sounded like swear words. And I was like, oh, (laughs) should I be saying these on air? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so there are two reasons I can pick out why this chapter is in scripture. First and foremost, and the most obvious answer is that this is history. And history is very important for several reasons, because people can go back and look at history and remember. So the Israelites, because all of this was recorded, they could go back and remember it and look at it and be enthralled about all this stuff that was going on. So the Israelites would have had it for themselves to be able to review it and remember God's goodness, remember all these exciting victories they had over all these kings. So that's why it was important. History is important, but it's also important for us. Because even though we look at this and we're just like, man, why do we have to read this chapter? At least I was. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I looked at this chapter and I'm like, I have no clue what I'm going to talk about today with this chapter. Because you and I, we don't live there. We don't live in this land. For us, it just seems almost like jumbled together words and names and we don't get it. But it's still very important for us as well to read this because this is history. Once again, the fact that this is recorded, the fact that this was written down, shows that there is some historical proof that these people existed. The Bible isn't just filled with a whole bunch of fairy tales, like once upon a time, you know, Goldilocks met three bears. It's not like that. That is not what scripture is. It has history in it. It has historical facts in it. And there's so many times that scripture is validated by You know, these archaeological discoveries that show, oh, wow, scripture really was true in this aspect of something. Like, for example, one of the ones I remember recalling recently was when we talked about Jericho. A lot of people for a while didn't understand the story of Jericho and how the city of Jericho was built. But they discovered that Jericho was first and foremost, most likely a very small city. So the Israelites would have been able to walk around it multiple times in one day. Firstly, secondly, they discovered that uh, Jericho did have homes like inside the walls. And so that was another discovery that kind of showed that the Bible was accurate when this was written thousands of years ago. And why wouldn't it be accurate? I mean, Joshua wrote all this down. Joshua remembers all these kings he defeated He's going to remember something exciting like that. I mean, there's not very many people (laughs) in the world that gets the chance to defeat 31 kings in their lifetime. So think about that even. I mean, Joshua wrote all this down because this was wonderful for Joshua and for the Israelites to be able to defeat that many kings in such a short period of time. So that's why it's important for us to read this and to understand it, because it shows the validity of the Bible, that the Bible is valid. It's not just filled with fictional stories. These were real people. These were real kings at a real point in time. So that's the first reason. But the second reason is one that I kind of alluded to a moment ago is look at how many kings Joshua and the Israelites were able to defeat. This is insane. 31 kings defeated of very big cities and very important cities. 
a Canaanite region. These people were very, very powerful. These kings were very, very powerful. I mean, they controlled huge areas of land. And yet Joshua and his small Israeli army was able to not only go up against these kings, but were able to defeat them. And that is because God made a covenant with Israel. He was on Israel's side completely. So there was nothing that the Israelites couldn't do. There wasn't a king that they couldn't defeat. We could actually turn to this chapter. Like, let's just say that we're going through something really tough in our lives, right? Something that we just feel like is impossible. A terrible trial we might be going through, something along those lines. We can actually turn to this chapter, Joshua 12, and read of the miraculous things that God allowed Joshua and the Israelites to do and gain comfort from this chapter, knowing that we have the exact same God thousands of years later that allowed a small army defeat huge kings. Like literally, they were actually huge kings because some of the kings were giants. We kind of discussed that on Wednesday because it says in Joshua chapter 11, verse starting in verse 21, that the Anakim, the giants, the big people came out against Joshua and the Israelite people. And so not only did Joshua defeat normal sized kings, but he also defeated giants and giant armies. And look at everything that Joshua and the Israelites were able to accomplish in one lifetime, and not just in one lifetime, but a pretty short period of time. And look at this and be like, wow, since God could do that thousands of years ago, he could certainly help us with whatever we're going through today because God is the same exact God. It says in scripture, that God never changes. He never casts a shifting shadow is what it says. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's a very comforting thought that God is organized and structured and he's not volatile and he's not flaky and he doesn't just, you know, change with every shift of the wind. (laughs) So it's very comforting that God remains the same. And so that's why we can look at chapters like this and actually get comfort from Joshua chapter 12, a chapter that everybody, for the most part, just brushes by. I've never heard a single sermon done on Joshua chapter 12, but it's in scripture and it's still important. So the one thing I really want to discuss here is the fact that because the Israelites made a covenant with God, God was on their side and was able to help them do this. But you and I are under a new covenant. We're no longer under the old covenant, the Old Testament. We are under the new covenant and the New Testament. Our new covenant is not the one through circumcision. It's not the one through sacrifice. It's the covenant of grace, how Jesus came down to earth and how he gave his life and he paid for our sins in full when he was up on the cross. We just talked about that on Tuesday and Thursday, yesterday. So because we are under that covenant with God, that promise with God, we have access to God. And just as the Israelites 
all these thousands of years ago had to uphold their end of the bargain in order to have this covenant with God. You and I also have a covenant we need to uphold with God the Father. And you might be asking, Jen, what is that? It's found in John chapter 15. I've been mentioning John 15 a lot. It was very impactful for me to read that chapter. But what we are supposed to do to uphold our end of the covenant with God right now is we are to remain in Christ. That is found in John chapter 15. And that is what Jesus says every Christian's purpose is to remain in Christ and have Christ remain in us. If we don't remain in Christ, it says that eventually, just as a branch that doesn't produce fruit is going to get cut off, you and I will also get cut off if we choose to not remain in Christ. So that is how you and I uphold our end of the new covenant. And when we do uphold our end of the new covenant, our father, Yahweh, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is going to be on our side, just as he was thousands of years ago with Joshua. And there's nothing special about Joshua. I think a lot of people look at these Old Testament characters sometimes, and they're just like, there was something special about Joshua and Moses and, you know, Abraham and all these other people. But no, they were human beings, same as you and me. They were fallen human beings that weren't special. The only special thing they had going for them is that they chose to have faith in God. Because of that, God allowed them to succeed. Just as we see Joshua did have a lot of faith in God. And we know that God rewards the faithful. So my encouragement to you is to look at passages like this and don't just brush over them. But look at them and read them. Know that they are historical fact from scripture and know that God's power is so great. And the same God who helped the Israelites defeat all these kings is your God today. All right, guys. So since this was a bit of a shorter episode, I wanted to do something today that I have never done on the podcast before. Something I kind of alluded to at the beginning of this week, which is to read a comment from one of you guys, either from an email or a YouTube comment or a comment on the podcast or a review or something like that, that's one of you faithful listeners gives. But I decided to not start with a positive comment. I decided to start with a critical comment, actually, posted on one of my YouTube videos regarding my podcast episode from Genesis chapter 17. I covered Genesis chapter 17 like three years ago on the podcast and probably uploaded this episode to YouTube about a year ago. So somebody commented on it. And the reason I want to read this critical comment is because a lot of people have actually asked me about this. And so this is something I have gotten multiple times where people have emailed me, particularly about my take on circumcision and penile cancer. So this comment is from the critical relativist, and he wrote this about a year ago. It says, your penile cancer theory is complete rubbish. Firstly, the studies showing that linked are flawed. Circumcision is not recommended to prevent cancer. Additionally, it appears in old age, so it wouldn't affect anyone's ability to have children and to multiply. As well, it only appears in like one in a million people. It's one of the most rare forms of cancer. So I'm going to, before I jump into more of this comment, I'm going to address that part first. 
So I went over to the Cleveland Clinic and looked up penile cancer. This article from the Cleveland Clinic was written in 2022, which is about two years after I talked about uh, Genesis 17. So here's what the Cleveland Clinic has to say about penile cancer and circumcision. How common is penile cancer? It says right here that penile cancer is rare in the United States, accounting for less than 1% of cancers for males. However, it is more common in other countries. Penile cancer accounts for more than 10% of cancers among males in Africa, Asia, and South America. So I want to explain that penile cancer is not the most rare form of cancer for men. It might be here in the United States, but in other countries, it certainly is not. It makes up 10% of all cancers for people who are male. So that's important to note because back in the old days when, you know, Abraham was talking with God, I'm sure that penile cancer was actually quite common because nobody was circumcised and also uh, things were just a lot more unsanitary back in those days. Penile cancer is a lot more common in countries that have less sanitation than here in the United States. So it is not the most rare form of cancer in males. Now, regarding what the critical relativist says, where he comments that circumcision is not recommended to prevent cancer, it says here that one of the treatments actually for penile cancer is circumcision. And it also says here, many risk factors related to penile cancer are likely related to having a foreskin. And so not being circumcised when you were were an infant may increase your risk of penile cancer. And then it also says that one of the ways that penile cancer is treated is by getting a circumcision as an adult. Circumcising an infant reduces their risk of penile cancer as an adult. Circumcision is one of the ways that penile cancer is prevented. So uh, I can link that entire article actually in the description of this podcast episode if you guys are interested in learning more about circumcision and penile cancer. Now, one thing that the critical relativist here says in his comment is that it appears in old age, so it wouldn't affect anyone's ability to have children and multiply. Yes, technically that is true. However, people did live longer. We see that Abraham had a child when he was like 90 years old and uh, God actually had had Abraham do the whole circumcision before Abraham even had a child. So yes, even though it is seen typically in older adults, people did live longer back in those days when God first made the covenant of circumcision. And also it doesn't mean that a young man can't get penile cancer. It's just more rare. So there is more to this comment. He says that... Unsanitary conditions can actually lead to amputations and cause skin conditions that can affect fertility. I'm sure that is absolutely true. I'm sure that if done incorrectly, circumcision can be very bad. My argument for that is that God did, in fact, teach Abraham how to do it. And so maybe God taught Abraham how to do it the right way. And there's no particular story in scripture where a circumcision went wrong though I'm sure it did in fact happen. 
We do live in a fallen world where mistakes and problems do happen. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the comment because it is getting kind of long here on the podcast. But what I do want to say about circumcision is that I'm not saying that you have to go get circumcised or that you have to circumcise your kids because in scripture, it says that we live under the New Testament. We live under the new covenant and circumcision is not necessary anymore. When I talked about circumcision initially, what I was trying to say is why God may have done this covenant with his people. And personally, yes, I do believe it was for the health and wellness of the people back in ancient times where knowledge about cancer and modern medicine just it didn't exist. Not to mention that nobody back in ancient days circumcised their children or circumcised themselves because that's just not something you think to do. And everything that God did regarding the Israelites was to set them apart as holy, as very different from the other nations because the Israelites were to be very holy and very different from the other nations. And so that's the reason potentially why God had the Israelites do a covenant of circumcision. But like I said, that was the Old Testament covenant. We are no longer under that covenant. We are under the new covenant, but I just thought it might be interesting to read that comment for you guys and give you some interesting information about um, circumcision and cancer regarding men. But anyway, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, please share it on your social media platforms. I will see you guys bright and early Monday morning, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up. Please feel free to tune into the podcast then. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. I'll see you guys Monday morning. Happy listening and God bless. Oh,